0: As an agency, what you do, what you promise people also, is come to me with your wishes, with your ambitions, and we'll implement those. We have the technical chops, the expertise to make your idea feasible. When you give people a limited system, you allow people to work out how to get their idea across within that limited system.
1: When you sell a product, you're actually selling a solution. When you sell a service, you're building a solution. And it's a totally different way of adding value. When you're selling a solution, people buy into your philosophy of how the solution should be used. And then if you're selling a service on top of a product, you're adapting the original solution. So you're not stepping away from your philosophy, you're not stepping away from the principles that make up your solution, you're just adapting it to a certain specific use case. This is the WildCloud Podcast. WildCloud is a platform where you can create recurring revenue with your WordPress websites by turning them into products that you can sell automatically your customers get a pre-built product a pre-built website for them to use which you can centrally improve over time meaning No matter how many websites you have, you only have to manage and improve one. Basically turning your agency into a productized business, creating a SaaS with WordPress. So customers of WildCloud are using WildCloud to build their own Shopify, Wix or Webflow alternative. So you can imagine if you focus on a specific functionality or specific niche, you can turn that into a product sell it automatically and start creating recurring revenue the whole platform is hosted and serverless and it introduces the scalable architecture of SaaS to WordPress called multi-tenancy so whatever you do today head over to wildcloud.com and have a look at how you can productize your agency or build the SaaS of your dreams using nothing but your WordPress skills so that being said let's dive in shall we Maybe I'm going to edit a lot of this. Maybe I'm actually going to publish this as is. It depends on how brilliant you are today.
0: (laughs) So a lot of editing, then. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot lot of it. (laughs) All
1: right, for anybody just tuning in, uh, which is everybody, because we just started the podcast recording, um, today we're going to discuss how we started with our platform. And we started with, I want to say, a phone call. Did we not?
0: I guess we did, yeah, I guess we did, um when was this again? this was like it was, was I, was, I, was, was,
1: I, I, I want to say it's two weeks into the pandemic,
0: yeah, something like that right like I think yeah. I think at that point in in the Netherlands it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that bad yet, but we all knew what was coming, basically <laughs> so we had this we had this 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 phone conversation where um uh where i had the not necessarily an idea but more like a like a like a wish <laughs> to to not have to set up all of these websites all of the time we um, uh, right because this was also during the time that we did our uh, our app mhm um, and well obviously like it was a it was a hotel app so so in the pandemic that wasn't gonna do that much, um, but it still have an income, we did the uh, we did the whole agency thing. We just attracted uh, clients and 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 did a lot of stuff for them, um, both on the website and the marketing side. Um, and seeing as I was the only technical uh, member of that team, um, I had the privilege of setting up these websites all of the time. And I sort of had this idea that um, I could spare, I could save a lot of money. While well, money time um, by having something that I can easily set up new websites with, but also because um, that was the major annoyance for me, right that we had a couple of customers at that point, a couple of clients and whenever I figured out something new, something cool, it would have it would take a lot of time to actually implement or apply that to older customers. And that really annoyed me. I, I didn't want that to, to, to have to happen all the time because that just took um, a ton of time. And, you know, they're agency clients, so they're not necessarily super grateful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I sort of had this this wish of not having to... Have to deal with that, and which was uh, 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 great enough that I was kind of like, I can, I can spend like eighty hours building a platform for this to just fix
1: that one problem. No, no, no issue there. (laughs) Unfortunately, at that point, the pandemic had arrived and the lockdowns were installed. So you did actually have all the time in the world. All all the time in the world, (laughs) (laughs) because there was not much left of our agency at that point. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no.
0: Yeah, I mean there there wasn't much left left of the agency but still we 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 did have this 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 inkling that it was going to that it was going to have to sort of explode at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Because of the lockdowns, we were kind of like, yeah, so that means that everybody who's out there looking to make a dime um knows that they're gonna have to have a web presence because, you know, good luck attracting people to your stores. Um So I'm 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 justifying
1: I'm rationalizing like why I spend so much time on this right now. No, but anyway, (laughs) like the timing. So just this morning I read an article posted by uh, Marika, who is one of our investors, uh, and she's the co-founder of Yoast, SEO, and she actually posted an article explaining the 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 principles of a successful company, and Hmm. the first principle on our list is timing, and she, uh, I'm actually very happy that she said this because I feel like many companies also need great timing. Like it's not just uh, a great idea or a great team. You also need to be able to pinpoint the perfect timing to get started. And if you look back on our case, we had, at the time it felt very unfortunate and very dramatic, but in hindsight, we had a very fortunate gap in our business, as it were, like we had everything before COVID and then everything after. And then in between was this lull because everybody was just in a, in a panic, in a frenzy. All the customers seized operations, ceased the projects with us, which allowed you to kind of step back and think about, all right, so what's the one thing that's been annoying me for the longest time? And then you got that started and, there, and you built some momentum, but within that gap, you had the foresight you know, we had this conversation and we basically just like went down the list of, okay, so this is happening. This is the current state we're in. What are the opportunities there? And obviously, and I think that most of the world concluded this, we need to get online. Like obviously we were, but like everybody's going to get online. And since websites was our bread and butter, one of our stable products, you could say, um, you set out to solve that particular product, uh, problem. And, um, and I'm, very for, and I'm very thankful for, 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 for you to, uh, to having offered that up. So, but I mean, obviously it didn't start with this, you know, gap in time. It didn't start at this exact moment. There was a, a buildup of skills that you've gathered and sort of stuff that you've read about online, because I do remember you saying, there's this one thing called Kubernetes. I want to get into it. Um, and I feel like this is the only way we could truly solve the problem that i'm having so how did you like where did that start and why did you become interested in um, in 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 this particular infrastructure or this particular solution to solve our problem
0: yeah so so i guess I guess in that sense the um uh, 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 Part of it was Kubernetes is probably going to be very useful in in solving this problem, but there was definitely also a part of me that was like Kubernetes. That's that does sound kind of cool. I kind of want to see what that's all about. And it could probably solve this problem. You know, we'll see. <laughs>
1: this it's is news for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy it turned out well. <laughs> you know, it's,
0: it's how you get into any technical part of the world is like ah that seems awesome. I'll, I'll try that, and you know it becomes a hammer and everything comes a nail etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but yeah so the so the the, the the problem that I actually wanted to solve there was or the, no that's that's the wrong way of saying it the like the experience I picked up before that was to do with uh, containerization. Right, uh, that was to do with using um, uh, Docker to actually run applications in a um, uh, you know, look uh, like both a scalable way, but also having Docker as your um, uh, transportable development environment. Um, which was awesome, which worked really, really well. Um, And before I jumped into Kubernetes, I was using uh, AWS uh, ECS uh, specifically to have these Docker containers do the things I want and run the applications I wanted. Um, And I was kind of like, so WordPress, WordPress in containers is, that's a weird thing, right? Uh, WordPress is definitely um way more comfortable on a uh, on a normal hosting, on a hosting where you just have access to a hard drive and and like that's basically it, right? Um but it was kind of like Docker should be able to do this. And there's plenty of people out there who actually make WordPress do the things they want to do, but within a, a containerized environment. Um, but I kind of wanted a little bit more than that, right? I I kind of wanted to um, uh, have a versioning system in like a nice way, and I wanted to make sure that certain development quirks that that I that I noticed that WordPress and containers um, uh, uh, sort of you know uh, that you have to deal with that I could I could not deal with that.
1: <laughs> so can you clarify why just running WordPress on Docker wasn't enough? Like, What would you then have missed? Or what would be the unsecure or unreliable part about it?
0: To you? Well, I mean, honestly, not, not so much, not so much un, unse- insecure or unreliable, more that everything then depended on me, right? Mm. um uh like within our team I was still the only technical member right and what I wanted to make sure is that um when you want to have a company grow you can't have every little bit of um uh, of, of like revenue making, uh, uh, actions right go through one person that just doesn't work because then that one person is going to go on a holiday and suddenly their revenue making actions sort of just stop right um, and you can paint yourself in a corner super easy that way right um, uh, at some point when when that one person is is busy enough. Um, you'll see that they also don't have time to actually teach another person how to do it, right? Even if they have the technical chops for it. Um, so you can really paint yourself in a corner that way. What I what I wanted to make sure is that um, this containerization, this 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 cool infrastructure that also works on Kubernetes, because you know, awesome hammer, um, that it would also be usable by people who don't actually have the inclination to learn about. Uh, containerization code and, and the whole thing right um, because that way i could sort of develop myself out of the equation so that i could focus on other things um, uh, and or you know sit on the couch a bunch um, didn't work oh, that well, well, actually, that last yeah, part is <laughs> say, like, working out for you. <laughs> <laughs> I want it better. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So that's, that's, that was the that was a major part of it that I wanted to make sure that people could actually do this thing themselves. And um uh, well actually in that in that moment that i wanted uh, uh, you and sebren to be able to do it yourselves right <clears throat> without putting the strain on you guys to actually uh, learn a lot about containerization and code and blah 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 um but then what you do end up with is a system that you want to uh keep being reliable and secure, right? Like the security and the reliability is pretty easily done if you're uh, knee deep into the code, but much less easy when you want um uh uh, uh like a non technical user to to uh, do the same thing. So I think that's that's a big part of where uh this this whole thing this whole thing sort of came from. Like that that feels like maybe the Yeah, like that like the proof of concept, I suppose.
1: I think in that sense, and, and and jokes aside, in terms of painting yourself in a corner and having other people uh help you with your job as technical as it you know might be in principle, that part has definitely worked out because pretty soon Siever and I were able to use the platform and benefit from the things that you know make your platform unique like version control like you know easy provisioning um and also just you know the fact that it scales without you actually having to scale anything uh like physically like us you know informing you prior to any sort of event and you just you know uh yeah ...gluing yourself to a chair, making sure that that is actually possible. Yeah, that has yeah, actually yeah. definitely worked really, really well. Um, so, but there's, that's not all, right? Like, we have the whole idea of using Kubernetes, which is a containerized platform. I feel like maybe you should, before we can continue, explain the differences between... And, I, and like in a helicopter view, perhaps, like, what is traditional hosting? What is a VM? And why then is Kubernetes with Docker so much better? Uh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a
0: good one. I actually remember us also having having that talk in in our old office. I think I I think I talked to you like for 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 five hours that day. Um, I have pictures still. I, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, I, that, I do. that that whole wall <laughs> 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 full of drawings. It was amazing. Um. So yeah, this podcast is probably going to be four to five hours. Then, right? <laughs> um, so I guess the I guess the main difference between between those two things is that um, um, like so so basically, what a VM uh, how you can see a VM is um, it, it is a part of a server that pretends to be its own server. So you've got the, this, this virtualization technique that, that allows that part of the server to um, uh, be completely isolated uh, from the other parts so that you don't have people being able to go into each other's product, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can divide up a server that way. And um, uh, as a hosting company, what you can do is you can sell parts of your servers that way or rent it out really.
1: And then for those people completely unaware, a server is a computer. And a
0: server is a computer that is hooked up to the internet and that um, uh, is usually used to uh, serve something along the lines of HTML. Uh, in this case, lots and lots of HTML, uh, running PHP, running WordPress in that sense, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, and the difference then between that and and containerization is that with containerization, your um, uh, you have you're abstracting away something else so like that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty technical way of saying it a pretty abstract way of saying it but it's really hard actually to 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 explain this from a proper helicopter view right because it's it it goes quite deep into um uh what what you're what you're actually trying to do um Where a VM is abstracting away uh, the idea of, uh, you know, physical hardware, basically. Um, What a, or it packages physical hardware, I should say. What a a containerization does is it packages uh, processes. And in the, um, uh, and while it's doing that, what you sort of get is a very small uh, server like a really small server, much like a VM, but um, completely... How do you say that? Completely um, um, uh, built around the idea of a process running. Uh, That process in this case is, um, uh, for example, PHP, so that it's actually able to run WordPress, right? The cool thing about that is that with... um, so like when, when you have a VM what you can do in terms of for example scaling is you can make that VM um, uh, you can allow that VM to use a bit more resources like uh, a little bit more uh, processing power a little bit more RAM stuff like that with a um, with a container what you're doing is um, you have this 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 special ability where you have such a small little server there that it's really easy to destroy that server and put a new one in place of it, right? With the exact same code and the exact same um, uh, whatever. Um, so that means that if you want to give it a little bit more RAM or a little bit more processing power, you can very easily destroy that little server, uh, put a new one in place with more resources. But what you can also do is put a new one next to it. Right. So where um, uh, a successful website on a VM will need to move to a different host in order to get more resources or request that the VM gets a little bit more resources. Right. With containerization, what you can do is you can actually just add containers to um, uh, uh, handle the traffic. Uh, that's what you call horizontal versus vertical scaling. So the vertical scaling is you have one machine and you make it more powerful. Uh, horizontal scaling is you have one machine and you put one next to it so that you can handle more traffic,
1: right? Um, and that is something unique to containerization.
0: That, well, I, I'm not necessarily unique. Um, you can actually also do that with VMs, but then you get into this uh, relatively complex way of... Um, provisioning new servers and stuff. So it's not necessarily unique. It's containerization, Docker and stuff, though, do make this much easier to do. Um, And one of the reasons for that is because it's so easy to destroy and set up, right? Uh, That can take seconds. With a VM, that will take a little bit longer. So, you know, there's, there's... there's, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages, obviously, to both, uh, to both ways of doing it. But with Docker, you, you, make, you make it very easy for yourself to, to work with this sort of stuff. Um, another reason why it's easy to work with Docker in that specific way is because uh, Docker containers are meant to be uh, as immutable as possible. Immutability, in this sense, means um, that you don't change anything within the container. Right. That container remains the same when it comes to code, for example. So you have that you have a code base in there uh, that handles traffic. And the moment that you change the code, you destroy that container and you put a new container in its place. Right? You don't go through each and every container and change the code there. You just simply replace all of the containers you have running. Right. Um, and that makes it very easy to work with stuff like that because that allows you as a single developer to, or as a team of developers, um, to um, uh, uh, predict, to to keep an overview of what you actually have running in production, right? Um, so that's actually, that's super handy to have when you're trying to scale up a single product or in, in our case, when you're trying to um uh, have people use WordPress in like a like a nice way, like a nice DevOpsy way, basically.
1: Yeah, no, I got it. I mean, thanks. Um but okay, so you come up with this idea of I'm using Kubernetes, which um is already uh niching down from I'm going to use Docker to run WordPress. It all comes from this Requirement for you to be able to immediately spin up and then centrally maintain all those sites.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would say in that sense the, the the major reason we 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 went with Kubernetes here was also um, right because you can put more containers uh, you can put like a lot of containers in a row and have those containers handle traffic. But what you um, what you need in order to do that is a system that you know knows about these containers being there. For example, um, uh, because when traffic comes into your cluster, your your collection of servers that run these containers, right, um, that traffic does need to hit these different containers, right? It does need to actually these containers need to be approachable. So what you need around this system of this this cluster of containers is a system that can guide traffic the right way. And what you kind of want as well is a system that can measure how much traffic is coming your way and scale up or down, right? Um, You don't want to have to click a button to add more containers because you notice that your site, site is becoming slow. You want to have a lot of traffic come in and the computer's deciding, we probably need a couple more containers, right? And this sort of stuff, making containers available, uh, making sure that they're still up, you know, making sure that the containers aren't broken, um, because if a container is broken, you destroy it, replace it with a new one, um, That is that sort of stuff is something that Kubernetes is really good at, and that is something that Kubernetes can also handle for you in a nice way as a developer. Um, So that's mostly like that part, right, Um, when it comes to centrally managing uh, WordPress, for example, excuse me, um, that's something that we placed on top of Kubernetes, right? That's something that we built on top of Kubernetes so that WordPress becomes more manageable when you're talking about thousands of websites. Um, But Kubernetes makes sure that when we add containers, traffic actually gets to those containers
1: nice and maybe to uh to bring it back to our customers a little bit what does serverless mean in the context of our company like what is the benef- benefit for our users for our customers when they hear you talk about all this stuff and think sounds like i need to do a lot of stuff but mm-hmm. in reality it isn't right so they don't need to do anything really well, how does no. that work like
0: yeah, so um, uh, uh, serverless is always a, always a good one, right? Uh, serverless is uh, has been has been used and 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 misused so much <laughs> that it's approaching the point of meaninglessness. Um, uh, the way I sort of see serverless is um, right, because obviously it's not actually serverless; like all of this stuff runs on servers. Um, But the way that I sort of see it is um, uh, serverless means that you don't have to worry about the server all that much. Right. Um, uh, For example, a prime example of uh, of a serverless thing is AWS Lambdas. Um, And what happens there is you just give AWS a little bit of code, right? You put it in the in the right framework so that Lambdas can work with it. And after that, you don't rent out a server, but you pay for what you use. You pay for, I think it's milliseconds at this point, um, for the actual usage of your code, right? Your code ran for a second, you pay for that second. Um, That's sort of the meaning of serverless. And that's also the meaning of serverless that works for WildCloud, because what we do there is we allow people to use container a containerized environment for their um uh, WordPress applications right for their WordPress sites um, and we can tell people that they don't have to ever worry about an actual server right they don't have to go to a server they don't have to um Uh, uh, worry about what the containerization looks like. They don't have to worry about any of that, but still reap the benefits of it, right? Um, Because we worry about all of that stuff, and we make sure that the servers are available, blah, 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 the whole thing. Um, And I think that's the main point there of serverless, that we can allow people to um, have that same sort of usage model when it comes to pricing, right? But also allow them the... Uh, the 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 ease of not having to learn about how Linux works with PHP FPM, or how you make sure that your MySQL database within the Linux again, you know that it stays up. Do you maybe have to put it into? Do you maybe have to tell system to reboot it every time uh, something goes wrong? Blah blah blah, all of that stuff has nothing to do with wordpress right it's 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 essential <laughs> but you don't want to have to work with it
1: you want to work on wordpress and that's what we actually allow people to do so let me just play a dev advocate here um so a lot of our customers have they, they serve an audience that is never going to receive much traffic so a customer of our customer is a hairdresser or a golf course or they you know, make sites for, I want to say retail stores, but in local rural areas, why would they bother with a with a platform that has all this juice? Like it sounds almost over-engineered. Why is it so important <laughs> that they actually get <laughs> this instead of uh, like just a simple, Damn. you know, traditional run-of-the-mill hosting uh, package? So... Uh, that's an
0: that's an excellent question so the the main reason you want to use this for sites like that and I, I think in that sense especially sites like that um is because you one of the one of the hardest things to do within this whole infrastructure game is to have your um uh, the resources you buy actually fit the resources you need right. Um, Whenever you go to uh, like a normal hosting company, you'll buy a piece of a server, right? And that is in all likelihood going to be a relatively powerful server, right? That can probably handle at least a couple of thousand people coming to your site. Not necessarily logging in or anything, but, uh, you know, a couple of thousand people hitting your site and getting a response and nothing bad happens really. The problem that you face then, right, is that is heavily overpowered for the majority of people, um, but you're still paying for it, right? And what you kind of want is to have your your resource cap, your your resource, uh, the resources that you bought, right, um, to fit the resources that you need as exact as possible. Because whatever you go over it, that's resources you're wasting, right? That's that's resources you're not using, still paying for. Why would you? Um, and when it comes to normal hosting, it's really easy to overpay in that sense, right? It's really easy to have way too much money going to this resource that you really don't need all that often. Um, a nice example of that are sites that have um, Um, popularity only once a year or maybe twice a year. Um, You can think of, for example, higher education there. Um, Higher education at the start of the academic year, wildly popular website. um, uh, But during the academic year and especially after the academic year ends, not so wildly popular right? And it makes sense because it's not relevant at that point. Why would you go to that website all that much? But at the beginning of the academic year, obviously, you're going to have a ton of traffic coming your way, right? So as a um, as a sysadmin or as a developer, you basically have two choices then, right? Either you have um, all of the discipline in the world, and you vertically scale your servers to, to host that website, um, before the beginning of the academic year, right? So probably, well, actually early September would be too late, so you want to do that before, right? Um, Or you buy servers that can handle peak load and just leave them on the entire year, right? Right. So then what you have is you have a server that can handle peak load, that can handle all of the traffic at the beginning of the academic year. uh, But at the end of the academic year, that server is just doing nothing right? And it's probably pricey. What you want to have is something that uh, shifts its shape, basically, throughout the year, right? You want something that scales up when you need a lot of scale and something that scales down when you don't. Um, And that way, when you're actually paying for that usage, right, you're fitting your... Uh, desired resources or your required resources with the ones that you actually buy. And I think that's the main thing that you need from um, uh, from a serverless infrastructure like this, especially if you have a bunch of sites that don't uh, get a lot of traffic, because then what you suddenly have right, is uh, you have 100 sites, none of them get a lot of traffic. Say that you do put this on the same server. That's not all that powerful but you know it, it sort of still fits and you're paying a uh, low amount of money per month what happens um, what happens the moment uh, one of these sites one of these sites actually does become a little bit popular right uh, maybe they are gaining traction with the marketing uh, campaigns or maybe they are gaining traction because they did a clever thing and now everybody knows about them and suddenly they have like this not major influx of traffic, but major enough that you would actually want it to, you would want that little server that you put all of these things on uh, to become a little bit bigger, right? Because it also has to serve all of this other traffic for uh, 99 other websites, right? So basically, when you have a lot of websites that have very little traffic, um, the margins become a little bit thinner. Right? You don't have that much of an error margin there. Um, because going from very little traffic, you can you can cram a lot of websites on this one server. But then if one of them gains traction, suddenly that server be- can become really overwhelmed, right? Let alone if it's like five. So in order to mitigate that, you want to go to something that scales, much like the higher education, beginning, ending of the academic year, right? Um, And having a serverless infrastructure in that sense allows you to do that um, without having to worry about that, without having to actually learn how to scale servers, which is, you know, pain in the ass. And if you're working with WordPress, you don't want to learn that.
1: It sounds like you're getting a lot in return. So if I would had to summarize, the serverless infrastructure on the WildCloud platform allows you to not overpay and that's that's Mm -hmm. that's the first part of your answer No, and then the second part is when you do need to resources a serverless infrastructure especially uh if you explain it in the context of a containerized platform where you um make up rather you, you 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 go to the to the level of the of the of the processes and not just the hardware you can actually scale up whenever you need to So you're not overpaying when you don't, you can actually scale up when you need it. And then throughout the entire story, I feel like a a red line has been, we'll take care of the server so that you actually can focus on WordPress, which (laughs) I think in the context of what our platform is intended to do, which is build and maintain and improve theoretically, hundreds of sites at the same time, well, not theoretically, like practically, uh, hundreds of sites at the same time, then it sounds to me like the last thing you want to do is take up another burden. Uh, And this is something that I have noticed with other companies. So I won't name any names uh, because they're actually giving us compliments right now. So, you know, that wouldn't be cool. But I do uh, speak to companies at say WordCamps, for example, and they've kind of solved the problem that we're solving but by just throwing a lot of bodies at it. And it's it feels to me that you're creating a monster that you then need to keep feeding because it changes the identity of your company. Now, suddenly you've become this infrastructure company. Yeah. So if you're if you're building your own infrastructure and you need to throw bodies at the problem and you can't automate yourself at this because you, that's where you started like in the beginning of this conversation, like you wanted to develop yourself out of the position that you were in. But if you can't, if you're... If you're doing it by simply hiring more people to, to 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 scale up uh to uh to make sure that peak is uh maintained whenever you need it then suddenly you're also selling infrastructure and you're not just building I infrastructure mean, to sell your product i mean in that's that sense, part of the product
0: i mean in that sense whatever you're doing on a daily basis as a as a company that's the company you are right um a very good one yeah and and indeed, uh, 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 in infra- infrastructure is it's it's not an easy game to to play because, I mean, this this stuff needs to run twenty four seven, right? It it should not go down. Um, making an application and and uh, writing bugs into that application is much less a twenty four seven thing, right? That's much less a uh, this needs to be right. All the time. This is more like this needs to be right the moment that we actually release it. Um, exactly. And then when you do infrastructure, you suddenly have this twenty four seven burden that
1: uh, indeed you, you you just have to throw bodies at that at some point. Um, and it's also kind of scary. Like if you're if you're maintaining a WordPress site and you're changing a page and you mess it up, you can just roll back like in that page. Yeah. But if you release something in the infrastructure of one site, it already becomes cu- quite. Nerve no wracking, but if you're doing it in ten sites at the same time because you're updating your sites, hmm. yeah, that's... it's 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 very creepy to do that. Yeah, for sure, yeah, right? for sure.
0: And and you want to be able you want to be able to, and especially when it comes to infrastructure, but also when it comes to code, you want to be able to um uh, uh you want to be able to have you want to have an escape hatch is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um. And building in that escape hatch, um, building in that escape hatch does not have to be super hard if you're technically inclined to do so, right? Right. But building in that escape hatch in such a way that all of the actions that make revenue or that keep you from losing revenue in this case uh, don't have to go through the same person are hard. Right, right. You like right. that? That comes back to that idea of um, they. They, call, they also call it the bus principle. Sometimes, what happens to your company? What happens to your product if um, this, 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 or this person is hit by a bus? Right. Um, All right.
1: That's very dark.
0: It's very dark. It's very dark. But let's just say that they're that they're out for like a couple of weeks or maybe a year. You know, uh, um, not not fatal, but still, like you lose that person for. A bunch of time, right? What happens to your product then? Uh, because that person has knowledge, that person has uh, expertise, uh, certain abilities that other people might not, right? Um, what happens? And building something that, um, right? Building something that gives you these escape hatches and that scales. For a single application, it's not easy, but it's also it's also not overwhelmingly hard, right? Mm. But then what happens when that person um, when you lose that person for a year, maybe, or when that person just goes away to a different company, right? Then suddenly, you have an infrastructure that yeah, you sort of have to hope that it stays up until you find a new person that can figure out what's going on or something. It's um, quite a vulnerability you have there. That's quite a vulnerability. Yeah, exactly. Because this stuff needs to stay up 24-7, right? Your whole The whole idea of a service like that is that it's 24-7.
1: Right. You want it to be reliable.
0: You want it to be reliable, and you want to make sure that... Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the main point is you want to have it reliable. And anything IT is, in general, not reliable. Um, uh, anything IT, it, it just... It breaks sometimes. It's just what happens. So the question is, how do you mitigate that, right? And you don't want to have that go through the same person all the time.
1: Well, so if I can segue, uh, you know, still on the subject of reliability, but moving on to something that we haven't even touched on, uh, multi-tenancy, like what is it? And why is it so cool that people can actually use it by having an account on our platform, on the WildCloud platform? What is multi tenancy in this context? Yeah, Wha- make what? it simple, please. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so, so coming from coming from that idea of reliability, right? Um, um, problem: the problem with uh, problem with servers, obviously, is that this stuff needs to be running twenty four seven. Blah blah blah. Um, the problem with code. On the other hand, is that you need to that you need to keep an an overview of the code base. Uh, you need to be able to understand what's actually happening in this code base um, in order to really work with it. Right, um, especially also if you want to teach other people about this code base, you need to be able to show, like, yes, this actually happens within uh, my application. Right. Um and Sas, in that sense, they they, they have a, a fairly inherent way of doing this, right? Uh, they have a single code base or maybe probably actually a lot of code bases, but um, let's say they have a single um, uh, um, uh, amount of code <laughs> um, that they can teach people about and that they can release to to the public to to um, uh, uh, improve upon their services, right? With WordPress, however, um, the problem that you start facing relatively quickly is that sites start to diverge. And that means that instead of having an application, right, uh, namely a collection of plugins, maybe some custom code, whatever, um, you start having separate sites, simple as that. You, um, The moment you want to change something, the moment you want to um, Uh, uh, improve upon something, you'll have to know how each and every one of these sites work again in order to make a generalized improvement, right? And that's a problem because that will work with like five or 10, maybe even 20 websites. Um, But at some point for a single developer, that just sort of stops, right? Like uh, as a single developer, keeping an eye, keeping track of 100 different websites that maybe that you know, even if only twenty diverge, um, keeping track of that becomes exceedingly hard. What you want to have is the um, is the same sort of reliability that we talked about before. You want to be you want to be able to count on the fact that whichever website you go to, you're going to know how it works, right? You're not going to run into any surprises. Um, And that's where multi-tenancy comes in, because multi-tenancy, what it basically means is you have a single code base that can configure itself to run for different tenants, uh, for different um, uh, users in this case, right? And doing that with WordPress then allows you to set up a single system, um, improve a single system, but uh, deploy that to 10, 20, 100, different users. Um,
1: and users being customers. individual
0: sites, right? And users, yeah, yeah. well, users being customers in that sense, right? right. Probably paying exactly. customers. Um, so, right, so in that sense, the, 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 uh, the main advantage there is simply that you'll know exactly what's happening within these sites. These sites cannot diverge. Um, and that allows you to continuously improve upon this thing, this one thing that you're, you know, you're not even replicating, but you're you're deploying to all of these people. Um, and uh, whenever somebody new comes into your company, that you need to teach about this, you have to teach them one code base, right? You can tell right. them this is how these things
1: work. Uh, simple as that, right? So streamlining focus. Th- those are all benefits you get yeah. from an operational perspective.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and in that sense, uh, shared knowledge is one that you get from, uh, for example, a, a a development perspective, right? Right. Um, from an operational perspective, from a from a um, uh, from a. Uh, like an IT operational perspective, what you also get is the ability to make this serverless, right? Right, Because now suddenly each and every website does not need its own reserved resources because we know that these code bases are all equal, right? So we can actually play around
1: with putting that code base on containers and scaling that up and down. It's almost like you're telling it this to me for the first time because I, I get excited. <laughs> Even though I've been <laughs> I've been here since the beginning. <laughs> it all originated with a conversation that we had. Um but at the same time I like I feel the rush of excitement uh because what you're talking about is all right, cool, let's let's build something that is Scalable from an IT perspective, right? Let's make sure that sites that we sell or or digital products that we sell actually become scalable without us uh, Needing to control that right. It can Mm -hmm. be scalable without us Um, So it can scale down if we don't need the resources It can scale up when we need the resources and we don't necessarily have to be present for that So that's like bottom level, right? So you, you take it one step up and you say all right cool. So now we're gonna look at a product, which is essentially a website that we're selling because it's built with WordPress, which is the you know, obviously most common use case. And if we can um, standardize the code, at least, doesn't necessarily mean that all the sites look the same, doesn't mean that all the functionalities behave in the same way, doesn't mean that they're all sharing the same configurations, but the code is going to be standardized. Once that is going to be in place, then you can predictably say, or reliably say, we're going to be able to scale up all these containers because they contain the same code. We don't need to make exceptions that mm-hmm. overcomplicate stuff. But at the same time, the development team and the product team can have a single focus, mm-hmm. You know, putting all that knowledge and experience into a single product. And then I'm on the other hand, like I'm at, I'm at the end of that journey. You could say taking that particular product and then giving it to people, Um, And the the benefit for me, as you could say, the commercial counterpart to you being the IT uh, uh, side of things, is this lends itself really well for a scalable business model. So from IT, you go to operations and you end up with a business model that is inherently scalable because you don't need to sell something customized, therefore becoming high ticket, which is usually low volume. You go to high volume. A low ticket or lower ticket, affordable ticket, which is you know inherent to the scalability of SaaS products, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. is to me and, very interesting.
0: And I would, I would, uh, from from, and that's from my perspective, of course. But I would, um, I would want to nuance that a little bit in the sense that multi-tenancy allows for serverless. Mm. Um, you can't really have one uh, without the other, right? Or at least you can't have serverless without multi tenancy multi tenancy without serverless yeah. is fine um the and the, right the reason for that is scalability only works if you um if you can actually go as small as possible as well right um and when you talk about scaling wordpress sites uh, and you don't have multi you don't have a multi tenant infrastructure uh, underneath it what happens is that you'll start, you have a minimum amount of resources available for each and every one of these websites, right? So that means that if you have 100 websites, you might have containerized all of them, right? But that still means that one website has at least one container, I would presume, right? Um, Even if that website gets nothing, right? You still have that one container running, per website, and that just simply costs money, right?
1: Yeah. But because
0: yeah. of multi-tenancy, suddenly this whole scalability thing becomes proper um, uh, possible simply because all of these websites can run on the same containers, right? So if nothing happens across your entire product, you're paying for
1: one container, right? It's, it almost feels like you're giving away a secret now, but at the same time, I, I've been in conversations where you've explained this to traditional hosting companies because they were... Um, To put it mildly, surprised that we were able to run Kubernetes and build a multi-tenant infrastructure while keeping prices low, um, similar to the prices that they're charging for something that is, you know, way less modern. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems to me that that's because you're able to standardize in such a way that you can bring all the sites back to a single, like to the lowest possible instance uh, necessary to run all of those sites. So when you say this is scalable up and down, it really is scalable down to nah. a point where you hardly get any resources because you don't need any resources. Because you don't need any, yeah, exactly,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, but yeah, from from there, you do get to the um, um, uh, to the actual uh, addressing the market bit, right?
1: So you, I mean, we started as an agency, right? And we developed into a, a SaaS platform. What are, what is something that you didn't know as an agency owner that you do now as a SaaS founder, and that you feel agency owners should know about, or it, which is at least remarkable in that sense?
0: Uh, that's a that's an that's an excellent question. I think the um, I think one thing that I'm learning more and more is that. Um, all right. As an agency, what you what you do, what you promise people also is come to me with your wishes, uh, with your ambitions, and um, we'll implement those. Right? We'll we'll make them at least technically possible. But sometimes also we'll we'll do the marketing for that. Right? We have the the the, the technical chops, the expertise to make your idea feasible and uh, actually make it work and i think one of the major things and i think it is is honestly within agencies this is probably also fairly uh, common knowledge right um but you want to you want to limit people a little bit in um in their main idea right um and that sounds super negative i know but <laughs> <laughs> um i think that when you give people a system to think in Um, you allow people to gain much more focus when you give people a... It's better put as when you give people a limited system, right? um, You allow people to work out how to get their idea across within that limited system. Um, Anything that that system doesn't do at this point, right? Just a feature that's not in that system... That can be worked out later, but you can at least tell people from from the confines of this system, you can do uh, most of the things you want. We just need to configure it in the right way, or you know, put it up properly. Um, and that gives people the the possibility to step away from like the sort of dream phase, right, where 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 everything works and everything is is awesome, and there's like a major audience out there and fr- get them from that dream phase to um, uh, the actual focus that you need in order to pull this stuff off, right? And I think that's a very important thing that that uh, I learned personally, um, that when you give people an actual system, a, a system of thought, right, to work with, it becomes much easier for those people to actually become successful in at at least going live, right? At least launching their product because there's so many people that have an idea, spend money on it, and then don't go live. Um, But give them that system of thought and you just make it easier for them.
1: I was was going to say the same thing, but from a business perspective. Uh, And I'm very happy that we're aligned there. So what I've noticed as a SaaS founder... Um, compared to my experiences as an agency owner is that when you sell a product you're actually selling a solution when you sell a service you're building a solution and it's a totally different way of adding value so when you're selling a solution people buy into your philosophy of how the solution should be used hmm. of how you should approach the problem yeah. and then if you're if you're selling a service on top of a product you're adapting the original solution. So you're not stepping away from your philosophy. You're not stepping away from the, from the principles that make up your solution. You're just adapting it to a certain specific use case. And so as an agency, I often found, we often found ourselves having to slightly adapt or change the principles upon which we were building the solution to fit the requirements, to fit the the, the desires of the customer. And I mean, this is often said and often jokingly said is, um, you know, customers, don't all, customers need a solution, but they don't always need, know what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's the, the joke they made when AI was introduced and they were like, oh, AI will make all of our jobs redundant. And then someone said, well, then all the customers need to do is you'd be able to verbalize what they need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, but the, problem, the, the problematic part of that is that it's inherently in, in, unscalable. Right. So if you, have a, if you sell a service and you need to adapt that service time and time again, that starts from the sales process and it finds its way all the way down to the IT layer. So throughout this entire uh, uh, journey or this entire process from IT all the way to realization, to marketing, even to, to the sales, everything is custom. So You're having a custom contract. You're having a custom briefing. You're having custom account management. You're having custom operations. You're having custom IT, you're having custom development. And so as you're making all of that work, as you're trying to get through that entire process, your agency also needs to close new customers. So then you need to hire people that you don't necessarily need at that moment because everything is custom. So you can't predict uh, whether or not you need them for the next project. And uh, I was actually having a conversation with the head of M&A of one of the biggest agencies in Holland. They've got 4,000 employees. So what, the, what she does is buy companies, right? And um, I wanted to ask her if she, like, or rather I asked her how she makes up decisions. And as it turns out, they don't really have a strategy in terms of like a company vision that they need to strive for because they don't know what projects they're going to be taking on in six months from now. So no. the agencies they buy, it simply depends on how many customers do you have? How long have they been with you? And how lean is your team? And that's it. That, that's really all they have to go on uh, when it comes to buying an agency, right? But when it comes to building a product or rather scaling a SaaS like we have now is you put all your effort and focus into a single product. That product needs to be f- you know, served in a, in a certain way that we can also scale because we know exactly what that's going to look like because it has a single focus. And then all the way down to the promotion and sales of the product, you keep focusing you keep coming back to that ideal principle set. And so I, I think that's something that I'm very proud to bring to um, our market, the WordPress market, because this is something that I've never seen before. Because um, when I'm having a, a conversation with a customer, which is a, and it's a happy customer, it's not just because they started using the platform and started selling sites. It's because they found this calm, even, in their business operations, right? right? Because now they're selling a product and they're building yeah. services on top of that. And they're not just, you know, like hustling and, 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 and trying to figure out what the next move is going to be. They have this focus and they know how to scale it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's so much, and it's so much easier to think about that in, in terms, right? Because like, it's definitely like that, 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 that system also that I was, that I was talking about, that's, Obviously, that's also about wild cloud, right? But any system of thought that confines your thinking a little bit already makes that focus so much easier, right? It's, um, uh, yeah, wish we knew. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, that was the next thing I wanted to ask, which is what is the thing that you learned as an agency owner that you're taking along in this SaaS journey or that you... Definitely want to avoid in this business going forward, like either one.
0: Something that, sorry, what? Something that I. What is?
1: What is the lesson that you've learned as 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 an agency owner, or a developer in an agency, as you know, you having to wear two hats in that sense? Sure. That that Uh you're taking along in this journey.
0: That's an that's an excellent. Excellent question again. I think probably a big one there is. Um, um, I, I yeah, I guess I guess, but that's that's definitely for me personally um, a big thing there. That it's very easy to. So, like for me personally, I I don't necessarily remember not knowing about Kubernetes. You know hmm. what I mean? Like I find it hard to imagine not having the knowledge I have right now. Um, and in that sense, what sort of uh, what what can happen in, in my in my own brain also is that I can look back at certain things happening in my past, um, also in terms of uh, IT, right? And kind of think like, oh, that was so dumb. Like, why did I do it that way? If I read code of myself for ex- uh, that I wrote myself, for example, like, you know, 10 years back, I'm, 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 it's very easy for me to fall into like that super judgy area where I'm like, oh, how dumb was I? And, you know, sort of get into like that, that sort of a, um, a very judgmental uh, thing. And, what is what is what I thought was very interesting about um, doing a lot of agency work is that um, you you need to emphasize with people who don't know the same things you do, right? And you need to be able to see that for what it is, namely somebody built up experience in something completely different. And they need to tell you about their thing, right? Because you're supposed to implement something here and you need to give them the relevant information about your thing. However obvious that may seem to you, right? And what you get then is a much more um, empathetic view on other people's knowledge and also your own knowledge, but like in the past, right? Um, Because from there, what you suddenly can um, uh, can foster is a much more realistic relationship with uh, with your clients, with your customers, right? You know things that seem super obvious to you, but they don't know that yet. Right, or you might need to convince them of certain parts of it, or you might need to um, explain to them what uh, containerization actually does. Right, and if you can't do that with empathy, then what you get is like a very hostile, very judgmental vibe, in, like throughout your product, also. Right, because you're mm-hmm. writing stuff about this, and and you need to be able to not have that. You need to be able to. Um, emphasize with the people that actually want to give you money for your product <laughs> right um, and emphasize with the fact that you 're trying to teach them something new and you 're trying to teach them a new philosophy of how to actually run their business or even just run their i t right um, and I think that was a that was for me that was a that was a big one. But I guess that that was also definitely a pretty personal one. I have no idea how relatable this is.
1: (laughs) Well, I I guess I can relate. Um, I think I explained it in a different way, which is that having an agency, I always felt like there was a huge component of luck involved, Hmm. and that gave me a lot of stress. So you kind of have to be lucky that the next project is going to take a while and that the customer buys into your like solution mm-hmm. and also that you can actually come up with a solution that is like sort of productized because the more productized it is the less it's prone to pick holes into and it all like there was also a lot and and then there you know ho- hopefully and that's also lucky you can actually use all the people that you already employ and not get more freelancers on board there's so much luck involved. Hmm. And the more you productize, the more you focus down on a single solution that you're selling, the the, the, the the smaller the component of luck becomes. Because it is it seems daunting and it's almost like a paradox. Like the more you focus on a specific solution, the more you focus on a product that solves that problem, the more predictable your sales can be, the more predictable your target audience can be, the more predictable your operations can become. So you're minimizing luck. And also the more you start to think about it as a product, the more you start to think about features that will, um, render a sustainable added benefit for the user. So it's, so also the, 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 the duration of a project becomes less luck. Because now you're using a product in your daily life, and you can optimize it as such, so you gain more control over your business. And for me personally, that has given me a lot of, you know, like rest, hmm. easy, a peace. Like it's given me a lot of peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I, it, uh, yeah, it, it, that that that's sort of a predictability. I, I I I like that you also mentioned the, like that idea of, um um right? Like, however you want to improve on something, you can actually do that to the core value of the thing you're offering people. Mm. In in exactly what you say, like a very predictable way, you can say, okay, so if we actually change our application, or our service, or whatever, in this very specific way, then we touch on this important core value, as opposed to Maybe if we're just nicer to the to the next client, or if we just give them more free stuff, maybe then they'll stay longer, right? Um, you have this predictable yet. um well, I don't want to say the s word again. <laughs> you know, it grows
1: more. Well, let's put it to that. I'm not gonna not gonna say. Yeah, it's, the whole uh, scalability thing has become a bit of a of, a of an annoying word to keep using, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a I lot think we're in, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, I mean, so, yeah, at the end of the day, we, we de- definitely are, but I feel for me, um, I've always pri- prided myself as a person who wants to live spontaneously and adventurous, but at the end of the day, I want my business to be predictable huh. because I don't want to lie awake at night, not knowing how this particular customer is going to become happy because this project is, you know, like I falling in the yeah. water. I mean, right? Yeah, you yeah.
0: you want your you want your your income to be predictable as just a person. Like it's it's exactly. one of the one of the main things that gives you a, a non stressful life that that you have it's, both enough and predictably income. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's a, it's a bit ironic, right? Because if you have an agency and you have a company, then the money coming in flowing in is very unpredictable but then if you are an employee of the same company that you own your salary is predictable so you come adjusted to the idea of you having a salary but at the same time you're also the business owner of said company and then the money flowing in is actually very unpredictable Mm -hmm. and that to me that gave me a lot of stress but knowing now how much we make in a month and then you know translating that back to your salary that's nice yeah no that's that's, that's, that is
0: that is much nicer yeah no i agree i agree yeah for sure
1: let's uh let's wrap up but let's wrap up with the final question which is what is a business challenge that is currently on your mind and it can be a business challenge that pertains to the entire wordpress ecosystem that we're in or the entire SaaS ecosystem that we're in or it could be a personal business challenge that you're working on this week um
0: well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, how much, and we're, we're back back again to the to the S word, unfortunately. But you know. mm-hmm. um, for me personally, I think that would be um, how much, how many unscalable things do you do in order to become scalable? Um, Good one. Right, like uh, one of the one of the things that I'm that I'm thinking of then is also that 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 story about um, what was it? Airbnb, I think um, mm-hmm. they started one of the one of the things they saw was uh, people are not actually renting apartments when the pictures made of those apartments are super crappy. Right. Um, so what did they do? Quite simply, new listing. You just send a photographer there who does actually know what they're doing and have them take a couple of pictures. Right. Super unscalable. You need like a single body for for one of those listings. Uh, if you get a lot of listings, you'll need exceedingly many bodies. It's it's it, it doesn't work in that sense. You can't you can't have that skill properly. What you what you'd need is basically people, um, uh, you know, uh, ordering those or. Buying the services of those photographers themselves, right? That's that would be much more scalable. That would be much, much, much nicer in that way. Um, and one of the things that I'm having I'm having like a lot of uh, a lot of fun with, also, but at the same time is is not super scalable. Is um, giving people is helping people out with their uh, with their products on WildCloud, right? Um, and that is basically selling hours. That is basically just going out there and telling people like, okay, I'm just gonna help you go onto WildCloud and from there, you know, you you can you can actually get your business started. Um and do that for a fee, then, right? And that is not scalable because that's selling ours. That's sort of an agency thing, uh, but like very, very specific in its services, right? But at the same time that does grow into something much more scalable because I am learning a lot about uh, what kind of things uh, customers need, what kind of things customers run into in their starting up of a business, you know, um, and stuff that is also geographically uh, specific, like what kind of stuff do people in the U.S. run into versus people in Canada or versus people in Germany.
1: Plus, you're effectively making successful customers.
0: And you're making successful customers. So all of, all of that stuff is great, right? Um, in the same way that making proper pictures of a listing is great. It's just not scalable. And for me in my brain, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like how far do you actually want to go with that, right? Because you don't want to do that indefinitely, but it's nice to have like a limit. It's nice to be able to say like that is where we, uh, start doing this in a different way. Um, but then how do you get all of the advantages still? It's it's interesting.
1: How about yourself? Well, I mean, I think the, um, I think to summarize your answer there is as you're learning about your own product, right? As you're, because the product never exists in a vacuum. It always exists in relation to the customers using it. Hmm. And you don't really know how they're going to use it. I mean, we've had so many surprising use cases on the platform so far already. And these were all customers needing to figure out how they interact with our products, you know, how they integrate with our product, how they implement it in their existing business operations. And us helping them um, manually for now teaches us so much about how to then eventually generalize and standardize Hmm. in the future. I think it's... Similar to eating your own dog food, like obviously we're not building a website as a service ourselves right now because we're focused on expanding the platform, but we're never, never losing touch with the actual use cases because we're con- continuously in, in contact with the actual people using it, yeah. helping them onboard, learning valuable lessons, and then being able to translate that in your case to how do we scale, say, IT operations or how do we scale uh, product onboarding for me the uh, the same thing applies. It's, um, for you, it's more of a, of a hands-on white glove onboarding thing where you're selling hours. For me is how do we standardize the message in such a way that people are already very informed about the solution, but also the underlying principles that make up the solution. Because that's something that I've realized is very, very scalable. So say for example, this um, this podcast that we're starting today, If two people listen to it, that's already more than me explaining it to one person individually. And for the longest time, I've actually been hesitant about starting a podcast because I thought to myself, and this is my ego speaking here, who's going to listen to it? Right? It's going to be a long form uh, podcast. It's going to be quite technical. The WordPress ecosystem is already rather saturated with podcasts, I thought. Um, and then if you're going to see a podcast that only has like 50 views on YouTube, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, if it has 50 views, that's 50 times more reach that I would have when we, when I'm doing a demo call. So, you know, like just get, 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 you have to kind of just separate yourself from that ego at some point and think about this message that I'm spreading is, is the same over and over again. And obviously I'm customizing it to certain use cases I'm customizing it to certain audiences as I'm explaining it in context of different, you know, um, use cases of our platform. And then I'm always searching for this way to centralize the message. I'm always searching for context that is universally um, shared so that if I explain the platform, it applies to everyone and everybody can immediately make sense of the added value and i keep inching myself closer to that goal but that's me centralizing or specializing in in the message but at the same time i can be expanding in the mediums uh, media that i'm using to amplify this message by god damn it simply starting a podcast <laughs> and embracing the fact that if there's only 50 people in the audience that's already a huge plus so I mean,
0: um i mean if those 50 yeah. people watched this entire podcast that is i'm not even sure how many hours that saved had you had oh. to go through each of those 50 people and give them like a lecture of one and a half well, hours, hours right one so and half. We're on
1: an hour and 14 minutes so i would say 49 hours
0: yeah right at least yeah that's
1: that's tremendous yeah at least so um for those in attendance, <laughs> if you made, it, thank you for if you made it, if you made it this far <laughs> yeah. and um, let's wrap up and uh, we'll check back in, in the next episode. And I hope the people listening today are present again and also told a bunch of other people about us and we can actually amplify the reach even more. Awesome. I love it. See you guys next time. See you in the next ones. All right. See you guys.